I appreciate Brother Krause being back here tonight. He has no idea. He, uh, he is my brother. He is my friend. I love Brother Krause. And uh, he lost a bunch of weight. And Brother Eldar said he gained a bunch of weight. So um, I'm just kidding, man. I, he took it, yeah. He's, I love these guys. I love our ministry team. But I love Brother Krause. And it's, it's not fun when you're not able to be here. Just try not coming for a few weeks and see how dead you feel. <laughs> it's just hard. So I know we go through a lot of things, but um, I, have got a t- I have got a message for you tonight. I'm simply going to preach on this thought. Your destiny is God's desire. The place where you need to be is the place where God wants you. Amen. I was doing some searches through the Bible, you know, um, how you, you know a lot of these scriptures but you're not exactly for sure where they're at sometimes and unless your brother Tony and he get, got about the entire Bible memorized you know he can quote all those scriptures tell you where they're at and backwards you know and um, but I was doing a search and I came up on I just simply searched Holy Ghost and that's that's all I put in just Holy Ghost and believe it or not it was mentioned 39 times in the book of Acts And I thought, well, that's kind of neat, you know. And so then I went down underneath the book of Acts, and I was looking, and Romans had it five times, and, um, you know, a couple other ones had it two or one or just a few times. And then I began to read because those other ones probably were maybe 20 verses altogether throughout the rest of the entire New Testament past Acts. And every one of those scriptures that I read about the Holy Ghost testified about what the book of Acts, the Holy Ghost said. And I was just kind of like, that's a little neat. So for those of you that maybe don't understand why we are the way we are, the reason is because we have the Holy Ghost. And if you want to know what the Holy Ghost is, all you have to do is go to the book of Acts and look at it because it's there 39 different times and every instant somebody received the Holy Ghost they were able to speak with tongues it's not of the devil it is something that is spiritual it is something of God it is truth and it is exactly what people are looking for exactly I, I have to give my, my wife shared a small testimony this morning with our classroom and there was a there was a lady from our church here who just just came during the Cisco revival and she was able to give her a Bible study on Saturday morning. Uh, that's what ought to happen. A visitor ought to come in and somebody ought to have a Bible study the next Saturday with them. It's the way it ought to, ro- to, to work. And she was able to get a Bible study with this lady and she's probably in her 50s. And, and by the time this Bible study was over, this lady was in tears. And you know what? She hasn't even received the Holy Ghost yet. And she said, this is what I have been looking for my entire life. My entire life. Church We have no idea what we have. We have absolutely, positively no idea what the power of God can do in our lives. I mean, Peter's shadow healed people. A shadow. He was so full of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, we have no idea. And I think that if we had a church who began to recognize what they have inside of them... And they went and they began to just start saying some things in their homes and start proclaiming some things in their workplaces and started saying, God, you're free to do whatever you want in my life, that this church would 
not only just be in revival, but we would have personal revivals in our own lives everywhere. I bet we could get home groups in every single house of people that are here. I'm not kidding. I believe that God is just that big and that he can do those things. Hallelujah. So each of us has a goal or a specific thing that we're trying to reach or obtain. How many of you guys have somewhere you want to be? You know, you know, God's calling you somewhere. You, you, you feel a calling. You feel a pull in your life a little bit. And you just know, I want to be there. We have these goals or these things that we try to reach for. And some of us long uh, to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, like Elijah or Elisha or Peter and John. Some of us want to be great fathers and great mothers. I know many people I talk to across our church who their, their sole desire is, I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good wife. That's, that's their desire. And, and that is biblical. And some of us want, want to be maybe a pastor or we're called to that or a prophet uh, there's evangelists in this place. There's callings of evangelism that are being spread all over our church. I will tell you right now, an evangelist is not just a person who comes to your church and says a couple messages. If you want to know what a five-fold ministry evangelist is, that's a person in the church who gathers people. That is the calling of an evangelist. When you're out doing your bus ministry, you're doing evangelism. That's evangelism. When you're out doing Bible studies... That's evangelism. When you're workplace and you're witnessing, that's evangelism. You're being used in the calling of an evangelist. There are teachers, people who long, and they're very good at it. They're, they're very, they can just lay something out and just show you how it is. There are teachers or maybe even apostles. There are a few, pe- few men uh, in our church I know are called to be an apostle. There are some of us who desire to help with the business of the church. Um, my father-in-law, he always says, you know, all this spiritual stuff, I, I love it and stuff, but I really could just, I'd just like to build something. <laughs> Let me work on the church van. <laughs> Let me do something that I'm comfortable with, you know, because when you step into those uncomfortable territories, you know, you get a little worried. And so there's some of us who want to help with the business of the church. But I'll tell you, um, regardless of what your desire is, God has one thing in mind for all of us, and it's simple, simply a covenant relationship. He, does, he, he wants one thing for every individual that's sitting in this house tonight. He wants to be in a covenant relationship with you. And I'll explain what that is for all of you. I know the four that said, all right, get it, but the rest, of it, I'll, I'll explain what that is. And as he started with Adam, he walked with Adam, and he talked with him in the cool of the day. We know this from Scripture. And God desired this relationship with Adam, and God planned God's plan was to have this type of relationship with all of humanity. And we know that Adam made a bad decision when he ate of the apple, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And because of this, God had to find a new way to have a relationship. But can I tell you that Adam's destiny was God's desire. And so just because Adam messed up didn't mean that God wasn't going to find a way to get what he needed out of Adam. He was in a covenant relationship with Adam. He formed Adam out of the dirt. You think God's just going to throw him to the side? There is no way. So we, we know Adam made this bad decision, but God found a new way to have that relationship with Adam and with Eve. And he wasn't able to meet with them in the same place because judgment had been dealt out over Adam. Um, but Adam was created for a uh, purpose, a specific design, and this caused God to find a different way to be in covenant relationship with Adam. 
Can I tell you once again that your destiny is God's desire? We all seem to be walking on a road that leads to a specific place. There are many things that happened over the course of our lives to bring us to the place we are right now. If I was to go through this congregation and talk to individuals all across this congregation, you could say, well, this happened and this happened and this crossroad happened and somehow I ended up in Spencer. Wow. You know, of all the places in my I moved 24 times before I was 18 years old. This is not where I thought I would end up. I went to five different high schools. This is not the high school I thought I would graduate from. When I came into Owen Valley High School, I had taken every course in their entire school because Minnesota schools are that far advanced. I graduated six months early and only took two courses just to graduate my senior year of high school. This is not where I thought I'd be. I didn't think, I mean, I came from the city. I I lived in St. Paul, Minnesota. That's a big city. That's a big place. Do you know that Spencer has, what, five, three, three, five thousand people in it, something like that? And I'm maybe a little on the high side. And I've been here for almost 12, for 12 years. This is not where I thought I'd be. And I could go all across this. How many of you could honestly tell me right now that you knew Spencer, Indiana was the place that you were going to end up? I mean, Sister Young lived in Kentucky. Who wants to leave Kentucky? (laughs) And I won't say any jokes, Sister Young. You know... Brother, Brother Tony and Brother Bob came all the way from Fort Wayne, Indiana to be here in Spencer, Indiana at McCormick's Creek Church because God said, this is where I want you. God pulled my wife and Sister Kay all the way from, you guys were in Brazil, Indiana, pulled them into this church, pulled Sister Robin into this church from Brazil, Indiana, which is a 45-minute drive. I could go on and on. I didn't real. you don't realize all the things that go on to get you to where you are. You have no idea God's purpose. You have no idea what God's plan is. But constantly we question him. Constantly we look at him and say, God, is this really what you want for my life? Are you sure I'm in the right place? You've got to be kidding me, right? Do you see that youth group? Just kidding. We, we have a road we're walking on, church, and it's going to lead us to a specific place. And, and there's things that are going to happen over the course of our lives that brings us to the place that we're at. And God has rearranged our lives so that our destiny can be fulfilled. Our destiny is simple and it's easy. It's not hard. Every one of, us, every one of our destinies is to be in a covenant relationship with God. And he wants that covenant relationship to be in the right place. Because if it is not in the right place, then I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to prosper. You've got to be in the right place. I'll preach here in a minute, I promise. I, I, I'm, I, I, I have felt the Holy Ghost. I have been here since 2 o'clock today. I've been praying. If you'd see some of the things, me laying up here without my shoes on, saying, God, move on this platform, <laughs> you'd think I was nuts. God did not create, a, create us so that we could perform our own work. 
He did not create us to be outside of his will. He created us that, so that we could know him as father. And he created us so that we could freely choose to worship him. He created us so we could be blessed. That's the simple fact of it. We look at our lives. I watched a video. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just going with what God wants. I watched a video. Sister Raquel Browning, where are you at? Sister Raquel posted this video on Facebook and said everybody has to watch it. And, and I watched this video, and it was these two little seven-year-old boy who was about the size of my son Malachi, who is two years old. And he had polio, and he was laying half naked in this dirt. And these, this, this evangelist team over in Africa had stumbled upon them. No parents. No nothing. They were starving to death when they found them. About five, ten minutes after they had got there, a, a, a sister came out. She had walked miles to get, wa- to get water. She was probably ten. And took these boys and bathed these boys because that's the only thing that she could do. They were laying in the dirt. They couldn't move. And my heart said, God, we're so unthankful. We have no idea how blessed we are. If you ate today, you are blessed. If you have a place to sleep tonight, you are blessed. If you made it to church because you had enough money to put in your gas tank, you are blessed. And we get stingy with our money. We get stingy with our time. We get stingy with our prayer. Oh God, so many things that I need to do today. We are blessed. And God is, He has called us to be blessed. He wants the church to be blessed. He wants the church to be prosperous. He doesn't want you to just simply just get along. He wants you, He wants you to be blessed. I'm going to tell you, God has done this time and time again. He, he, wants, he wants to be able to mold us. He wants to be able to shape us. And if there's anything I've learned my entire ministry, it's simply this. God, whatever you say, I'll do. I'm willing. He's, he's humiliated me before a hundred times. And I, okay, I'll go get humiliated again, Lord. <laughs> I know this person at the gas station has no idea what I'm going to talk about, but I'll say it again. I'm telling you, it's whatever he wants, whatever he desires. God, speak to me. How many of you want the voice of God in your life? Could we stand to our feet and just ask God? Say, God, I want the voice. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your voice. Jesus, Jesus. God, I pray right now that something happens to us, Lord, that we are able to understand you, that we can hear your voice, that we know your unctions. When the Holy Ghost moves on us, God, that it won't be something that we have to question, that doubt won't be in our mind, but there will be a confidence that comes through the gift of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Can we praise Him for a minute? Come on. I'm going to give you a sacrifice of praise, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. You know, Noah spent 120 years building an ark, and then he gets drunk after dry lands appears. Dry land appears, he gets out, Noah goes over, plants a vineyard, drinks of it, and gets drunk. His, his, his son walks in on him. 
sees him. Say, and that, that word saw doesn't just mean that he seen him. It means that he saw him and he looked at him and he said, Ha, huh, Dad, look at, your, look, look at you fallen in a sinful state. Look at you falling in this kind of a place. You're drunk. And the, that kind of attitude ended up getting that, that uh, ham cursed. And Ham became cursed because of that. But I still, I will go back to say that if Noah wouldn't have been in that situation, Ham would have never been cursed. We, I mean, we get all over Ham. We get all over Ham. And we get all over individuals in our church who look at other individuals and say, well, they shouldn't be doing that. Or, you know, we get all over. Well, if they weren't doing it, then they, we wouldn't have anything to say about it. That's called integrity. It's called integrity. Integrity is defined as doing the right thing when no one else is around. That means in the secret place where nobody can see what you're doing, you make the right decisions because it's right and because God said it was going to be like this. Praise God. But you know Noah had a covenant in Genesis 9.9. said, And I, behold, I established my covenant with you and with your seed after you. God established a covenant with Noah. In Genesis 9:13, he said, I do set my bow in the cloud. That's a rainbow, if you don't know what that is. And it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. There is always a sign when a covenant is introduced. There is not a place in Scripture you can find a covenant that's made that God doesn't give you a sign. And Noah, even regardless of Noah's failure, his covenant relationship was still intact. God still blessed Noah. God, was, God still used Noah. We have the story about Noah today. Abraham. Talk about life, or um, talk about his life. His life was, um, Abraham, he was blessed. He came, he didn't even, you know, he came out and he was able to be uh, blessed of God. And God spoke to him and said, Abraham, I'm going to make my covenant with you. He said, and I'm going to multiply your seed. Genesis 17, I'll just read this and then I'll talk a little more. It says, uh, And when Abram was nine years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. That's a hard thing to do. And I, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. Did you get that? Abram fell on his face. What? And God talked to him. He was humble before God. I don't know where this is going tonight, but I feel the Holy Ghost. As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. When God makes a covenant with you, he also changes your name. It happens over and over in the Bible. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, and their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. That's a lot of these. And I will give unto thee, here we go, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And verse 9 says, And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore. Everybody say, I play a part. 
See, when God makes a covenant with you, it's not all about just him doing what he's supposed to do in your life. But it's also about you living up to what your end of the bargain is. See, God, I'll worship you even if I don't feel you. I'll worship you regardless. I'll worship you regardless of what situation I'm in. God, if I'm depressed, if I'm hurting, if I've had a death in the family, if my day's going bad, if my week's going bad, if I feel like I'm at my lowest, my covenant is still with you. And because my covenant is with you, I'll worship you. Hallelujah. Verse 10 said, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after the every man child among you shall be circumcised. And everybody say circumcised. There's the sign. Every time God makes a covenant with a man or a woman in Scripture, there's a sign. There's something that is done. The Ark of the Covenant was a sign. In Numbers 10, verses 33, it said, And they departed from the mount of the Lord three days' journey, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord went before them in the three days' journey to search out a resting place for them. Can anybody here think about God and how He goes before you in search of a resting place just for you? See, the Ark of the Covenant went for, and God's covenant always, always, always will precede your steps. God's covenant always will precede your steps. The Ark of the Covenant was a sign of a spiritual covenant in the Old Testament. However, today your body is the Ark of the Covenant. We are the temple, and what you carry in your body is God's. It is God's. Corinthians, you don't believe me, Corinthians six nineteen through 20 says, what? I love that. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You don't own your own body. 20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There, every time a covenant is made, every single time, there's a sign and even today, this is the same way. And Elijah, I love Elijah. How many of you have read the story of Elijah lately? He is just the coolest guy. I mean, Elisha was cooler, but Elijah was really neat. He was so bold that he walked up and he said, he said, you, you three guys, come over here. Stand right here. He said, get me 450 prophets of Baal. You guys be prophets of Baal. You two guys, come over here. And you get me 400 prophets of the grove okay he said he said this to king ahab and he said take him up to mount carmel and we're just going to see who whose god is god okay because the the children of israel weren't serving him you guys come a little closer here come over here just come a little closer here we got to let fire fall from heaven in a minute so <laughs> they're stopping okay so here we are. He called 450 prophets of Baal, and he called 400 prophets of the groves. He got them all up on a Mount Carmel, and then he said, Call on your gods. Do whatever you have to do. Go ahead and do it, and, and do a sacrifice. Take the cattle, put it on the thing, and 
the God that answers by fire will know is God. Now, could you be, imagine being Elijah? King Ahab, go get 450 of those Baal prophets. Could you imagine? I'd be like, King Ahab, please. No. He was a, he was a, go get 400 of the prophets or the prophets of the grove, those that call those things, and bring them here, and I'll just show them who's God. Yeah. As Brother Cisco does, just, you know, scarf flying. <laughs> and he brings them there, and for like eight hours, these men cut themselves, act like you're cutting yourself, don't really cut yourself, no pocket knives, just act like you're cutting yourselves. You guys kind of dance around like you're doing a little hooli. There you go. John's got it, you know. That's right. They're, they're not very good. <laughs> well, I, I know. Just act with me. Act. You know how to act. Okay. He's still good. He's got it. All right. John's, he's the man. All right. So here they are. They, they, <laughs> they dance around. They dance around the fire. They dance around, they're cutting themselves, they're calling on Baal, they're calling on the gods of the grove, saying, come on, come on, come on, come on, let's, let's hurry up, get this, you know, sacrifice, blah, 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 and nothing. Then Elijah comes, and I love his audacity, it's great. He says, you guys, go get a bunch of buckets of water. And you guys, go get a bunch of buckets of water. And I want you to, I want you to just douse this entire animal with water. For, imagine, like, I don't know, 850 gallons of water being dumped on an animal. And then they dig a ditch around the entire thing, and they fill that up with water too. And, and, it, and here he is, Elijah, he says, God, if you be God, take this. Take this sacrifice. And what's God do? <laughs> Boosh. <laughs> it comes all the way down from heaven. The fire does. It comes all the way down. It not only consumes all the water that was there, it consumes the entire sacrifice. And God, that answered by fire, was God. The one true God of Israel. Thank you, guys. Now, Elijah, how many of you guys would say, that's a bad dude? I mean, that guy, he's cool. Anybody that can get fire to come down from heaven and like consume anything, I don't care if it's a penny, that's neat. You know what I'm saying? And here he is, and then, you know, he, he, not only does he do that, but after this, the Holy Ghost comes on, the Bible says, and he runs faster than a chariot. Could you imagine? I can't even fathom what it would be like to run at like 50 miles an hour. I mean, it would just have to be neat. How would you even keep your legs? Yeah. I mean, roadrunner. And here he is. Here Elijah is. And, and he's running faster than a chariot. And he gets back to the place. And here old Jezebel comes. And threatens the man of God. After fire came from heaven and he destroyed 850, he took all of them, all those prophets, by the way, you guys are dead. He took you all down, yeah, he took you all down to a river and he just cut you, he slit your throat. Man, a God just, mm, now wouldn't that be the way you guys don't, you don't serve God, we'll just, we'll get you out of here. Okay, 
And here he is after all of this, Brother Tony. And Jezebel says that he's going, or that she's going to kill him. And he runs and he hides. Dude, you just killed 850 dudes and you're scared of a woman? Smart man. Not, not only did he do that, he ran faster in chariot. He's on this cloud nine. God's used him. At this point, he got down. The Bible says he gets down and he puts his head in between his knees and he prays and he prays and he sends a servant seven times to go see if rain will come. The man sees the cloud as the size of a, of a of man's hand and he prophesies again. Here he says, rain's coming. Rain ain't came for three years by Elijah's word. Now rain comes by his word again. He knows God. God's using him and he gets scared. Not only does he run away to a cave, any stuff, but it says that he goes under a tree and then he's in an angel awakens him and says, rise and eat. And he eats, gets, gets it all in him, goes back to sleep. He says, rise and eat. The journey's too great for you. He eats again. Then the Bible says that he travels 40 days away from wherever Jezebel is. I mean, he's scared. How do you get scared after that? And even though Elijah was scared, even though he had a covenant with God, and God seen him through to the end, God actually asked him, what are you doing 40 40 days away from, from where you're supposed to be? Why'd you run out? Don't you trust me? And, and he answered in 1 Kings 19.14, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He was scared because he thought he was the only one doing the, the right thing, the only one that was serving God. And you know, in the next scripture, guess what happens? God says, I've saved me back 7,000 people that haven't done it. So even though when you think you're all alone serving God by yourself, His covenant is not all alone. He's with you and, he's, and He has saved those people. There are individuals all across this nation, all across this world, that don't bow down to the idols of this world today. Today. And I'm going to tell you something. This is where it gets exciting. God didn't just do it in the Old Testament, but He made a new covenant with us. In the New Testament, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, it says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by circumcision of Christ. Oh, and here it goes, verse 12. Buried with him in baptism. Wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. I am going to tell you something. There is a covenant that you have. In Old Testament, there was a covenant. And a male child was at eight days old was supposed to be circumcised. But in the New Covenant, it wasn't so much the physical sign, but a spiritual sign. And God, God said, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to make baptism a sign of covenant relationship. 
Don't you dare think you can be in a covenant relationship with God if you haven't got baptized in His name. In His name. I don't care what you say. There aren't three gods. Jesus Christ is simply God. And the Bible says that we have got to be buried in Christ. It didn't say get buried in the Father or buried in the Son or buried in the Holy Ghost. It said get buried in Christ. And Jesus Christ said, He said that I have all power from heaven and earth. It's given unto me. That means Jesus was the manifestation of God. Simple. It's easy. Jesus was God. There's no more to it. You don't have to try to figure it out. I've heard so many people. I've had professors stand in front of me at a Wesleyan college that I've been attending for the last four years and say, well, the Trinity is so complex that, you know, we'll only know when we get to heaven. I know now. You guys are crazy. There's only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. It's simple. But baptism is a covenant relationship with God. And just like Corinne went down Wednesday night in Jesus' name, she has changed. I bet if you talk to her, she would tell you, this week's been different. Am I right? She's going, yes. There's some things that aren't a part of me anymore. Because when you get buried with Jesus in baptism... Let me tell you something. He takes every single sin you've ever done and He washes those sins away. He completely redoes, he completely redoes it all. And he, he looks at you and He's like, Oh man, you're clean. I don't know any bad things about you. When you come up out of that water... I, 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 I baptized a few people recently. Malia's one of them. And I'm just going to... A little bit about it. Because she's, she's this quiet, young, wonderful little girl that never gives me any problems. And, and, and she was sitting there. But when I, I... We were in the Hyatt pool. In a pool. And I took her down in Jesus' name. When I came up, she grasped for God. She didn't just... She just didn't say, Well, thank you, Lord. Literally something transpired in her heart and she like reached. My wife's seen it. She like reached for heaven. Something happened. Corinne, Wednesday night, she come up out of the water and I thought she was about to break my hand because the Spirit of God moved on her and she felt it. She knew something transpired. I was 15 years old when I, when I was baptized. I was 7 when I got the Holy Ghost. I'm not sure why I was 15 when I got baptized, but it's just the way it worked out. And when I came up out of the water, Pastor, I'm going to tell you something. I felt different. Something changed in my heart. How many of you have been baptized in Jesus' name and can testify to that? Could you stand all over this place and give a hand clap to God that says, Thank you for a covenant. Thank you for a covenant. Thank you for a sign. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Romans 6, 3 and 5 says, Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ? We're baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Now, that's a promise. That means if you get planted in his death, then you'll also, as he resurrected, you will resurrect. The Holy Ghost will come upon you, and guess where it's going to take you? It's going to take you to heaven. I'm going to tell you something. Peter 
messed up. We could, I could go through Peter. I could go through Paul. There wasn't a man in the Bible that was perfect. I could go through David. I could go through all these men in the Bible. And you know what? They weren't perfect. They had failures. They had faults. They had mistakes. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't quit. And whenever a man of God came up to them, I'm gonna, whenever a man of God came up to him, like in David's case, and he said, you're wrong. Do you know what David did? He got on his knees and he repented. He didn't argue with the man of God. He didn't, he didn't say, oh, I'm not right. Justify my actions. I'm going to tell you something. If you want to be right with God, you listen to the man of God in your life. Regardless of how hard it is. You listen to the man of God in your life. It may not be easy. But I'll tell you what, God honors sacrifice. He's, he ain't going to honor somebody that just goes through it or just kind of easy does it. But God will honor your sacrifice. God wants us to have a covenant relationship on a daily basis with him. Brother Cisco said it while he was here and it's, it is stuck with me. He does not want us to simply have a weekly relationship with him. He wants us every day to be in a covenant relationship with him. How many men um, of homes can say, since Brother Cisco has been here, that you have felt like a need to make sure your home is like a place of God? Is there anybody that, I, I, I personally, I have just been convicted. I just, not that my home's bad in any way. I'm just saying, I just, I, God, every day this house is yours. Whatever you want in this home, if you don't get that, you should, you should get a hold of that right there by itself. If you make your home a place of God, you'll see things happen in your life that will blow your mind. It is absolutely time, and I'm almost finished if the music could come. It is absolutely time to begin to proclaim God. I, and I taught our kids this morning about what proclaim is, but I'm sure adults in here, I don't have to go through what proclaiming is. But when you proclaim something, it's different than simply saying it. When you proclaim something, you say, God is good. When you proclaim something, you say, someone is going to get a miracle tonight. When you proclaim something, you say, I will be a vessel that he can use. When you proclaim, it's time... For, for our young people to begin to proclaim God in our schools. It's time for us to proclaim God in our city. It is time for us to proclaim God in our workplaces. And it is time for us to proclaim God in our home, to our children. There, if you haven't taught your own child a Bible study, you need to do it. And then you need to turn around and have them teach you a Bible study. Get the Word of God in their heart. It is time to proclaim God in our church. It's not a, just a Sunday night service. It's not just Brother Sebastian preaching. It's not just a youth congress type of deal. God, what do you want? Is there somebody in here that will proclaim God for yourself tonight? Somebody that will make a proclamation, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. Mold me into what you want me to be. Make me take my bad stuff. Give me good stuff. Is there somebody ready to proclaim God in your life? If we could stand all across the building. If you're ready to proclaim God, I want you to make your way down here. 
Hebrews 4, 6 says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. That means that you received it. You were a part of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good Word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. It is time that men and women, young men and young women, and even children begin to realize that when you take and you begin to doubt what God is doing in our midst, that you, and you begin to say, well, I don't think it's for me. I don't think that it's really for me. I, I just think that these other people can do it. That you take and crucify the Son of God again. You put Him to open shame. Now what I want to do as they begin to sing is I want some people to begin to proclaim in things in your life. If you're dealing with a situation, I want you to begin to proclaim that God is going to take care of your situation. Proclaim it. That means that you have the faith to back it up. It's not just words that are coming out of your mouth, but there is faith in your heart. I'm ready to proclaim God in my life. I want God. If you're having financial difficulties, if you need healing in your body, if you need baptized in Jesus' name, if you need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's not hard. Begin to proclaim, God, I'm yours. Do with me what you want. If you're not praying, if you're not down here, if, if things are going okay for you, will you please come pray for somebody? Will the body minister to the body? Will you open up yourself and give of yourself to another individual for a little while? The singers begin to sing, Your destiny is God's desire. And He's going to take you somewhere. He's going to take you somewhere if you're willing.